0: Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, there are plenty of quarterbacks that need help. Some get it, and some don't. That is the difference. Washington may not be as bad as we think, and the Big Ten Championship is set. Favor ain't fair. In story time with Uncle Mike, I tell you about the day I chose to change careers. You're behind the mic with Mike O'Neill Jr. <laughs> What's happening, people? It is a late Wednesday night, and I'm cutting this thing now. I have to do a little bit better about uh, getting this content out here and providing the entertainment. So, we're going to go right to it. It's the week 12 NFL rundown. Okay, so Taysom Hill had a good day once again against. The Falcons, I need a better defense. The Saints still only have two quarterbacks. Don't at me. Chicago, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will already be off the board. Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Kyle Trask should be left. NFL Draft. Good Lord, I feel so terrible for Deshaun Watson. Ah, just get the snap right, man. Tua gets another victory against the Dolphins. But head coach Brian Flores had a message for the Bengals on Sunday. Try Jesus. Don't try me because I throw hands. Justin Jefferson is next. The Minnesota Vikings are not missing Stefan Diggs. Not one bit. If you really listen hard to the last play of the Raiders and Jets game, you can hear cornerback Lamar Jackson grunt. You knew it was over. On 12 I'm so sorry, so sorry, Mr. Gore, Frank Gore. You're going to the Hall of Fame, though. As a Steelers fan, I'm really scared of Kevin Stefanski. I was wrong about Tennessee this week. Tighten down. You do realize the Arizona Cardinals have not won since the Hail Murray. The New York Giants were 1-7. They have won four straight. But the Seahawks Pete. D.K. Russell, come on, man. Ah, Carson Wentz has lost more than his confidence. He's also lost his job. Jalen Hurts, please introduce yourself. By the way, the State Farm Super Bowl is closer to becoming a reality in February. Go Pack Go! And speaking of the State Farm, boys, Patrick Mahomes and company got the win versus Denver, but my fantasy football team took an L. Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a goose egg this week, zero points. He couldn't get one carry, Indy Reed, come on, dude. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach ever born on the face of this earth. How do you win 45 to nothing and your quarterback throws for 69 yards in 2020? Can somebody please answer that for me? To all the doubters, Josh Allen is real. The Buffalo Bills are real. The Pittsburgh Steelers were due. But it was nice while it lasted. And finally, Jerry Jones, that's what you get for paying all the wrong people. Welcome in Behind the Mic. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. And I'm going to start right here. Speaking of those Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Ravens. Last night, they had to stretch the season out once again, these COVID games. And um, Lamar Jackson and company, Lamar's game first game back, by the way, they went 34-17 to against the Cowboys on last night. Um, the Cowboys kept it close. They really did. Um, but Lamar, after missing all of these days and uh, practices, he had one day to prepare, um, according to the quotes, He got it done. No doubt he got it done. One thing that we do as fans, a little bit too much, is that we are so very quick to say how bad a player or a team is. Now, Lamar Jackson, the guy, he's just different. All right? He's just different. Now, they still need some consistency on offense and not depend so much on those broken plays where he takes off running. Now we've seen that before. We have examples of it all over the map. Aaron Rodgers, for instance. Now last year was his first year with coach, head coach Matt Lafleur. Lafleur. He was here with the Tennessee Titans in uh, at one point, and um, he got the head coaching job out there. And that he wanted to run his offense. This year, they're putting things um, and adjusting things to more of what Aaron does best, not trying to force feed something that he likes to do. I always refer back to my days as a youth football coach. You can't take, you know, kids that can't throw or catch and try to throw the football all over the field. It's just, that doesn't work that way. You have to take what they do and what they do best, that is, and work with that. Aaron Rodgers is established. Many believe that he's the most talented quarterback this side of John Elway that has ever graced the field in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. He throws the football. Understand you want to run it, and you can still do that with Aaron Jones, but throw the football. But here's the other thing. The key is is that this year you're not seeing Aaron Rodgers scramble around so much, not taking the snap in the past and and just making the throw and running the play, it's been broken plays. We see Patrick Mahomes do that plenty. But you also see this year there's a difference if you watch the games, and it's well-documented that Aaron Rodgers, he's running the offense a lot more efficiently without all of the scrambling around and looking like, you know, nobody knows what they're doing from the snap of the ball. You know, I mean, he's had injuries on the offensive line left and right so many times and he's been hurt because he's taken some hits from time to time. Things are starting to turn around. But Lamar Jackson, that's what he does. He runs. They're not open. He takes off running. They have yet to stop him. On last night, they had almost 300 yards rushing as a team, the Ravens did. And Lamar Jackson was obviously a big part of that. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, they were in the game, but they just have a really bad defense. Really bad defense. It's just, and Jerry Jones, like I said, at the end of the rundown, he just paid all the wrong people, and it shows. You know, the other thing is the coaching obviously is not up to snuff. I think Mark, um, that uh, McCarthy, Mike McCarthy is in over his head. I think Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator is in over his head. He goes straight from being a second and third string quarterback to being the offensive coordinator just like that. And that's not going to work. It's it's showing that it's not really working unless, I mean, you got to learn somewhere. You have to start somewhere. But, I mean, this team, it has an identity as far as running the football, but it's changed so much. They've had a lot of offensive line issues. They've had players that have been injured all over the lot. But, I mean, that's the Dallas Cowboys for you in 2020. Everybody that's a fan, they want the best players on the team, right? And they definitely want a quarterback that would be like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and even Lamar Jackson, even though Lamar Jackson still needs to learn how to throw the football on a more consistent basis. I still maintain that if he does not do that, um, things are going to change around playoff time. A lot of guys can be really good during the regular season, but um, not to hang on that too much. If you really look at it, though, only about what 90 percent of the league will have a quarterback of that type. There's not many the, the top tier is only few. They say top 4 or 5 quarterbacks in the league. There's 32 jobs. I'm not even counting the backups who could start. <laughs> so this is something that you have to pay attention to as a fan. If you don't have one of those top 5 quarterbacks, most likely you'll have to settle for what's up under there. And even as coaches coaching staffs they know what they have at quarterback they have the guy that's the starter Derek Carr with the Raiders he's not in the top 10 probably (laughs) he's not in. no he's not not probably he's not in the top 10 of quarterbacks but what they do with the Raiders is they run the football and they've drafted burners at wide receiver (laughs) Greg Williams who just lost his job because he went zero blitz The only guy to do those things at the final seconds of a game when all they have to do is lay back and defend the goal line, he blitzes and has a rookie corner on a rookie receiver, but Henry Ruggs the third is a burner. And he was drafted very early for a reason, and you got to see that. My mouth is still open after seeing him run up under that ball and and score that game-winning touchdown on Sunday. So, when you look at it, when you're one of those, uh, the, the, that 90% that has the other quarterback, I'm not talking about the bottom part because you definitely have to be looking for a quarterback if your team is that bad. What a coaching staff's job is, is basically to find that quarterback that's close enough, figure out what he's really good at. And then put the pieces around them in order to succeed. Example, Sunday. Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns came to Tennessee and they put it on us. And I say us because we're here in Nashville. Okay, I am a Steelers fan, but I'm also a Titans supporter. Please be patient with me. I'm trying to work that wee stuff out of me. <laughs> I have to be a little more uh, separated from that. I have to lose the fandom, um, is what it is. Anyway, thirty-eight points in the first half. It was thirty-eight to seven after the first half was over, going into halftime. Most points ever by the Cleveland Browns in their franchise history. Most points ever in an, in a half. Okay, now they they scored like thirty-five some years ago, you know, but thirty-eight. That's that's. Wow. All right. But here's your example. They hired the right coach finally. They went through Hugh Jackson. He got fired. Greg Williams takes over. He doesn't get the job even after finishing five and three. Then they go Freddie Kitchens. They were six and ten with him. And Freddie Kitchens was not a head coach. He was not a head coach. Stefanski, they finally got a dude that knows what he's doing. And as a Steelers fan, again, I will repeat myself, that makes me nervous, okay? But look at the weapons also. You have to build around them, right? On offense, yes, OBJ is out of the picture, and I think that the offense is better for it. Clearly, Baker was trying to force him to football. Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper. Uh, I guess you could say that David Njoku is still one of those guys, He, I mean, when he's not hurt. Um, but Austin Hooper, I think he's a better tight end. And then the identity for the Browns is not throwing the football all over the lot like he did in Oklahoma or with these previous coaches, Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson, more Freddie Kitchens, but now it's more so about running the football with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They lead the league in rushing behind Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then the defensive side, we already know what a bad boy Miles Garrett is. And they have Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Denzel Ward. They have a pretty good defense. And the results, 9-3 and three to this point for the first time since 1994. Now, that's the only the third time they've won nine games since they moved, Uh, since the, the team has been back in Cleveland in 1999. So now let's look at the home team, the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill. Okay, so he's gotten better coaching. Mike Vrabel is a far better coach. And you have to like Fred's, I'm a FedEx man. So you have to like Fred Smith's son. (laughs) He is really good as an offensive coordinator, I think. Um, Better than we've had in previous years. Arthur Smith has done a great job with this offense. They're building around Gary Henry. Same as Cleveland, they're running the football. They have the league's leading rusher. Now, he was pretty much taken out of the game. Much like the Ravens that I talked about earlier, when they're behind, they don't play well from behind because their identity is running the football. Anybody these days that's going to run the football, you better be playing from in front because if you're behind, Lamar Jackson, okay, you go back to last season. They were the number one team in the playoffs, right? And they got the brakes beat off them. But if you look at the stat by the Tennessee Titans, if you look at the statistics that Lamar Jackson had, he had, what, 600 yards of total offense? You know, he ran for, what, 140-something yards, and he threw for 360. He had, almost, you know, well over five, almost 600 yards of, total offense but got the brakes beat off of him so that didn't matter stats lie can't play from behind all the time derrick henry you seen how he blessed <laughs> how he how he blessed uh my man earl thomas on the sideline that was what was going on that entire game it was great to see but if you look at ryan Tanne- Tannehill, who has uh better coaching here now you know as opposed to what he had down in miami hmm, Adam Gates, Lord Jesus. Anyway, he's got better weapons. You know, he's got Derrick Henry. That's the identity of the team. But you have to like Corey Davis. He's a decent receiver. And you also have to love A.J. Brown. He's a big robot that likes to drag people into the end zone. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and they can catch the football. John New Smith, I like him. The offensive line, could they have some improvements? Probably so. And it doesn't help that Taylor LeWan goes down so early in the season as the left tackle. Defensively is the problem. Defensively is the problem. Tannehill threw for what? 389. He was, I mean, he, Tannehill's not a bad quarterback. He's not great. We know this. But like I said, 80 to 90 about 90 percent of the league has quarterbacks that's just like him. So what do you do? You know, you cater to what he does. Well, you don't put everything on his back. Again, I refer back to Bucky Brooks. What Bucky say? Look, there are trucks and in are trailers. Most quarterbacks in the league. They are trailers. They have to have help. And even the Tom Brady's the Patrick Mahomes, I mean, look at what Patrick Mahomes has around him. Not only does he have a really good coach, and OC, and Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, but he also has Travis Kelsey. He's got the cheetah, Tyreek Hill. He's got Nicole Hardman. He's got Robinson on the outside. He's got, uh, it was Hilaire, they just drafted him. And then they signed Le'Veon Bell uh, early on in this season as well. And they got guys all over the map. And then on defense, they got the Honey Badger, they have Frank Clark, you know, they have Chris Jones in the middle. They have a they have a pretty good defense. They're not a great defense, but they're a good defense. So they get it done. They got a Super Bowl championship to show for it. Weapons all over the place. They need help too. Tom Brady, for all the stuff they've said all, you know, for all of these years, if you listen to this pod. Whether it was the Light Brothers or behind the mic, you know my feelings on Tom Brady. The dude has had help. He has the greatest, he had the greatest coach, coach of all time. On top of that, they had a, a very good coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. And then on top of that, they had they had receivers. You know, they may not, they may have went through a lot of guys who are four and fives, three, fours and fives, but he had Gronk. He's had got, I'm not even going into it, but they've had help. They've had help. And on, as far as the Titans are concerned, guess what the Titans need to draft this offseason? It ain't so much on the offensive side, probably some offensive linemen. They need some defensive help. You had Baker Mayfield that threw for over 334 yards and four he threw four touchdowns all in the first half. Now, did the Titans hold them to three points in the second half? Yes, they did. But at the same time, it's almost like, um, you know, you got to have some consistency. And the thing that I had to look at was that defensive back as well as on the defensive line. There's no pass rush. So that does make things a lot better. Now, outside of Malcolm Butler, I had to look at the other corner. Breon Borders. My dude from Duke was getting torched. And come to find out, since he came into the league in 2017, he is on his eighth team. Oakland, Buffalo, Houston, Jacksonville, Washington, Pittsburgh, Miami, and now with the Tennessee Titans. And when I look at everything, the list is player history. He's a practice squad player. Waved. Oakland, waved. Practice squad. Buffalo from Oakland, practice squad. Waved. Houston, practice squad. Jacksonville, practice squad. Jacksonville, activated. Waved. Jacksonville practice squad, Washington, Jacksonville, Jacksonville practice squad, Washington, Wade, Pittsburgh free agent, Wade, Miami claimed from Pittsburgh, Miami waived, Tennessee practice squad, COVID nineteen practice squad activated, practice squad activated, getting burnt, <laughs> getting burnt. So you have to. I mean, look, I'm not exactly you know, expecting in a passing league these days for these guys to lock guys down because the rules allow for these kind of things that happen through the air, right? And that's fine. Don't get me wrong. I don't expect them to be, you know, to cover forever because that is impossible. It's not. There's very few cover corners. There's not a lot of Deion Sanders that's running around out there, Jalen Ramsey, you know, perhaps he's brought the only one that I actually can say, I could put that dude on this receiver and that receiver would disappear. Poof, be gone. But I do know this. What is my point in saying that, you know, everybody needs some help and, and uh, us as fans, we really get on our players well, you know, I hear from time to time that Tannehill stinks. And uh, it's it, it Tannehill doesn't stink. He's actually a pretty decent quarterback. But here's the thing, and he can get it done when you need him to, I believe. But you know what we do in the media and even as fans? We must be some of the dumbest people on earth. Cause one thing that we do a lot of is we love to take a team sport and try to individualize everything and understand that there are certain individuals on a football field that affect the whole, the sum of the whole. I hope I said that right. But Tannehill Hill is a piece. They've got them the running back. They got them some receivers. They need to get some more help and some depth, you know, as far as the offensive line but when you don't have a pass rush you're going to be playing from behind a lot if you go back through their games they've played some teams pretty tough now what happened in cincinnati no pass rush and joe burrow lit them up was making some ridiculous throws it is what it is but the titans you guys y'all know what you need to draft coming up this uh you know coming up next year Y'all need to be looking at everybody that can rush the passer. I think it's pretty interesting when you look at the way that a lot of quarterbacks have you know what I do talk quarterbacks a lot on this pod. They are important. I I don't mean to do it, but I think sometimes I just feel like I need to get a certain message out there just for those who don't understand. <laughs> but when you look at some of the what other coaches have done, whether they were their head coaches or offensive coordinators, you look at Belichick, you know, the way that he's handled Tom Brady uh and then Cam Newton, I mean he he tried to keep a pretty good defense. And even when the players weren't up to par, they still played well. And you can only do so much, you're not going to win it every year, but you got to nine Super Bowls, man. And yes, there's continuity there. Now, don't think that Josh McDaniels, for you young sparkies out there, McDaniels has not been the OC the entire time. At one point, it was Bill O'Brien. At another point, you had Mr. Notre Dame head coach himself uh, Charlie Weiss is you've had some different guys, but I think that for the most part, uh, the, the basic premise has been the same. I told the story. I think it was on the last pod. I mean, you have somebody like Brady that's been in the system so long, Chris Sims, uh, who works for NBC um, and has the Chris Sims unbuttoned podcast, very smart guy. Um, and he, he worked for the Patriots after playing at Texas and in the NFL he worked for the Patriots. He told the story how he was passing out the playbooks and Brady politely took it and everything. And then the next thing you knew, his was in the trash. Why? Because Brady knew the playbook. And that helps when you have that kind of continuity. But it's about making adjustments is the point that I'm trying to make. And Cam Newton, he's got five touchdown passes on the entire season. Five. Five. He's got twice as many rushing touchdowns. I think he's leading the league as far as quarterbacks. And I think he's probably among the league leaders in touchdown uh, runs, rushing touchdowns with, I think it's 11. You got more than double. It should be the other way around, you know, but it's not. Um, Cam Newton's arm, I think is kind of shot. And the COVID thing, I have to say this too. Uh, the COVID thing, I think, is actually real. I remember seeing a tweet, I think it was, yeah, before the game last night, Cowboys-Ravens, that basically Adam T- Schefter put out there. Now, I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'll just paraphrase it. He said, we, we, we want to see how Lamar Jackson comes back, how he plays, uh, what he looks like because of this, that, and the other. He said there's some players – They've lost weight, others. Uh, they couldn't make it through the rest of the game, or they were really fatigued. So, to see Lamar Jackson perform like he did last night, and there may be something to it, you know, some of the throws that Lamar made were great, and then others, I, I guess, because we've seen him throw uh, some off target balls before. Um, that might have had, I don't think it had anything to do with COVID, but to see him run like he did. Now, um, Cam, between the the shoulder injury and, I mean, five touchdown passes. Belichick and McDaniels, they're working magic. Sean Payton, um, he's had Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, and Taysom Hill. Now, Drew Brees, out of the lineup, they are undefeated with, True breeze out of the lineup in the last two years. Think Teddy Bridgewater. They're seven and zero. Teddy won what four games, and so far Taysom Hill has won three. Although two of them were against the Atlanta Falcons, terrible defense. But I'm just trying to say that I mean they they have the packages right. They're very smart on offense. Matt Lafleur talked about him earlier. I think that uh, having Aaron Rodgers and and having some um having that offense and that team going the way that they are Matt LaFleur is looking good now of course I and then others others will like will probably say well let's see what he looks like without Aaron Rodgers I don't think too many coaches will look pretty good without Aaron Rodgers and we can't compare everybody to Tom Brady or everybody to Bill Belichick but there are some special coaches out there but anyway and by the way let me say, let me start by saying this. If you're a Cowboys fan or an Eagles fan or maybe even a Giants fan, uh, well, beware of the Washington Redskins. Pittsburgh lost finally. They're now 11-1. and one. Okay? And when I came into work on the game was played Monday, I came in on Tuesday. I got questions left and right. The Washington football team. You lost to the Washington football team. It's the NFL, man. Number one, it's the NFL. How many perfect seasons have there been? Now you had the Patriots in what was that, 2007, that they were undefeated in the regular season, didn't win the Super Bowl. There's only one perfect team, 14 and 0. And I saw the Zoom, you know, video of Larry Zonka toasting the. Entire world uh, with his champagne because uh, my Steelers went down in flames the other day. Um, it's the NFL. I mean, ha- have you seen an undefeated uh, pro basketball team? Has there ever been an undefeated baseball team? Undefeated, I mean, what what professional sports team has actually been undefeated? Um, especially in the modern era. Maybe it happened, you know, way back in the day. Um, And some people may put the 72 Dolphins back in the day. But I think that was during heyday, the heyday of the NFL, you know, when things were really getting ramped up. Um, But the 72 Dolphins are the only undefeated team for a reason. It's the NFL. You're going to lose some games. All right. Number two, mistakes. Pittsburgh's been making too many mistakes all season long. They lead the league. With 31 dropped passes, including seven on Monday afternoon, Monday night. It's ridiculous. Eric Ebron, that dude is so talented, but he can't hold on to the ball for nothing. I don't understand it. I really don't. I really don't. Uh, Deontay Johnson, you got to catch the ball. As, As talented as he is. Three. Look here. I'm just going to say it. I know that the Washington football team, or what are they, five and seven now? Washington is actually a pretty decent team. I'm not going to call them good. I wrote down good. But Washington is actually a pretty decent team right now. The way that they are playing right now, according to uh, sportsnot.com, Matt Johnson wrote an article, and he basically ranked the defenses, uh, basically, of late. And... This is what he wrote for the Washington football team. They were ninth. They moved up to sixth, according to him. Heading into the Monday night football, heading into Monday night football, Ron Rivera's defense has been outstanding in his first season with the club. Washington ranked ninth on third down conversion rate allowed 39, 37.9%, second in red zone scoring rate. Forty-eight point four percent, and boosts the second-best pass defense, only one hundred and ninety-four point six yards allowed per game. Taking on the undefeated Steelers, this young this unit came to play big time. That included rookie Chase Young. In the end, Washington yielded just seventeen first downs and forced a game-ending interception. Montrez Sweat knocked the ball down. This defense is now elite. Chase Young, Montrez Sweat, John Bostic. Look, the, the, that defensive front is good. Okay, that defensive front is really good. And uh, I read something early. I mean, Ryan Kerrigan was a starter for years, but he's now in the rotation. He's got five and a half sacks coming off the bench. What? Alex Smith, by the way. He's played in six games, all right? They they sat down Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Snyder's pick as the quarterback. They sat Dwayne Haskins down, and everybody's like, oh, that's so unfair. And the backup, I'm not going to lie, I can't remember who the backup is. I'm not embarrassed. I, I don't remember. All I know is Alex Smith was third. Then they had to move him up. Alex Smith on the season has completed 68% of his passes, just 1300 yards in those 6 games that he's played. Four touchdowns, five interceptions, but in his four starts, 1000 yards, just three touchdowns and two interceptions, but the team is 3 and 1. I understand that those wins were against Cincinnati. <laughs> that embarrassing they pants the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving in front of everybody. And then they just won against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm so proud of that dude. Just two years ago, you thought that his career was over. His broken leg almost killed him. You just thought, okay, he's going to get it fixed. I just saw, um, Dak Prescott walking around on last night, uh, on ESPN messing. They showed a little clip of him messing around with, um, with, with Zeke during practice. I heard he's already doing squats, and that was an ugly break. He's already doing squats. Smith almost died. If you don't know the story, look it up. The first game, you know, he got inserted. Emergency, his family was in the stands. His kids was like, yay, daddy. The wife looked like she was about to pass out. They lost 30-10, to and Aaron Donald did not care what happened to alex smith before that he literally put all twelve thousand pounds of his body on and, and got on alex smith's shoulders to you know to get a sack <laughs> they lost to the rams that day 30 to 10 in that rainstorm they barely lost to the new york giants 23 to 20 but then they easily could have been 4-0 sorry to my boy kurt Steele. shout out die here die hard den podcast um and other Uh, Detroit Sports Alliance (laughs) my man Kurt he's the Detroit Lions fan 30 to 27 Detroit beat them but with 21 seconds left Smith who threw for 390 that game no touchdowns no interceptions led that team up and down the field uh, and got them there to the place where they kicked a a potential game winning field goal I mean a game tying field goal they were tied at twenty-seven. Three seconds left uh, Detroit drove down and Matt Prater kicked a 59 yard field goal. Ball game. They beat, like I said, they beat Cincinnati, Dallas, and then Pittsburgh. Impressive. I mean, and, and even the pieces that they have, I like Terry McLaurin. I really do. Um, the rookie Antonio Gibson, even though after the first carry on last night, he stubbed that toe real good, apparently, uh, and he was out. Logan Thomas. Who went to Virginia Tech? Who remembers him? Yeah, that's that was your quarterback. He's now a pretty decent tight end for the Washington football team. JD McKissick, who's second in receptions by running backs in the NFL with I think 56. He's a converted wide receiver. So they're doing it with some um, with a little spit, a little uh tape, some a couple of paper clips. You know, they turn into MacGyver, and they're doing this thing. They, 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 they're they winning some games, They now they have to beat some of the better teams. And I understand, yeah, Pittsburgh was one of those teams. Of course, I've never seen so much vitriol or, or so, so much, um, you know, going after a team that was 11-0. Look, it's the NFL. You have to understand it's the NFL. And I'm not talking about number one reason. I'm talking about the fact that there are NFL players on both sides of the ball, even if they're not as good, but they're still NFL teams. They're players. So, hey, you know, (laughs) go with it. Uh, But the, the defense for the Washington football team is behind. This is going from one to five. Pittsburgh Steelers, New Orleans Saints, the L.A. Rams, the Miami Dolphins, and the Indianapolis Colts, by the way. Just a little side note. There was a certain defensive lineman missing from the Colts' defensive line. And when that certain defensive lineman plays, teams don't run or pass as good, you know, when he's in there. Just a little side note for the Titans fans. Um, still love Derrick Henry, still root for the Titans in front of the Colts. Um Number four, injuries, as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned. Devin Bush was already gone, and then they lost a potential defensive player of the year, Depoy, Bud Dupree, to an ACL the week before. I mean, and then there's the COVID stuff that's going on, and I, I say that on two fronts. Um, one, I mean, James Conner, they're not running the ball worth crap. Let's Let's get that out there. And I'm tired of seeing Big Ben throw the football 50 times and only throw for, what, 100, I mean, 200 yards. It was a video I found in my phone from Dan Levertard. I can't remember who the quarterback was that he was talking about. I had to rewind it and record it. But some quarterback threw for, he was 31, 30 or 43 for 176 yards. And Dan just goes, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> it's terrible you can't keep throwing the football like that but then too if some of these receivers would catch the ball maybe he would crack 300 yards again and speaking those of those receivers they are young receivers and some of these guys are in their uh some of these receivers they're in their first year with big ben now i really don't want to give that excuse to eric ebron who's now in his third team. I watched him drop balls with the Lions. I watched him drop balls with the Colts, dude. Come on, man. I'm tired of seeing that. Juju, he was throwing his helmet in the first quarter, for a good reason. Catch the ball, dude. James Washington, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Yeah, some uh, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. This is their first year with Big Ben because Big Ben was he was hurt last year. I mean, Claypool's a rookie. Um, James Washington, Juju, y'all don't have that excuse. Eric Ebron, you kind of, mm, I kind of don't want to give you that excuse, you know, but, do you drop the ball wherever you go. All right, Ohio State is in the Big Ten title game. How about that? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, favor is really, really not fair. It really isn't. Um, And this is, according to ESPN.com, Heather Denich and Adam Rittenberg. This broke earlier today on one minute from midnight, as a matter of fact. The Big Ten officially changed its policy that teams must play six games to be eligible for the conference championship game, meaning undefeated number four, Ohio state will face Northwestern on December 19th. The conference made the announcement Wednesday after its administrative council made up of all athletic directors and senior women administrators voted to eliminate the min- the minimum game requirement in collaboration with, with the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors. I'll read a little bit more. The Buckeyes place in the postseason became a question Tuesday when Michigan canceled the team's regular season rivalry game because of COVID-19 issues within the Wolverines program. It was the third canceled game for Ohio State this season after others against Illinois and Maryland And basically left the Buckeyes at just five games played overall. So let's look at the timeline, shall we? Big Ten, they decided August 5th that they was going to announce a 10-game schedule. August 4th, I mean, excuse me, 11th, they postponed all fall sports, including football. Now, this is key. On the 13th, Nebraska... Basically was like, okay, y'all may cancel all this stuff out. Well, we as a program, we're going to see if we can hook up with another uh, conference and go on to play this season. Big Ten didn't like that very much. And um, according to sources, not mine, I would say they are Dan Patrick's, Big Ten decided to try to punish Nebraska. One state said, well, we'll go ahead and play. All right. And uh, they had to play Ohio State (laughs) early. (laughs) That wasn't pretty. Um, And then further down in August. Between politicians and players voicing their uh, want to play and parent protesting and even uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, talking to the Big Ten commission, Kevin Warren they eventually said, okay, we'll play, and they announced an eight-game Big Ten schedule. But here's the kicker. So if a player tested positive for COVID, they had to be out basically for 21 days, three weeks. And then on top of that, if you did not have enough players and your game was canceled because of COVID, canceled not postponed your game was canceled which means when we when we heard about that everybody had the same thoughts like okay so you have to have six games in order to participate in the big 10 championship but if covid overtakes your team to a little bit too much you're going to cancel that game it's not going to be made up (laughs) the acc and the big and the uh the sec, they were like, I don't know what you talk about. <laughs> y'all, y'all, <laughs> y'all, do you? That's not going to be us. <laughs> do you? And Nebraska, like I said, that's that's key. Now, before they announced all of this stuff, of course, the three programs that want because everybody else was pretty much nah, and honestly, I have no idea who was saying they did not want to play. It had to be, I don't know if it was uh, university presidents, ADs, coaches. I have no idea. I really don't. All I know is that most of the Big Ten did not want to play until all of this pressure came to play, and they did. They did it reluctantly, and it's so funny. It's been said already. Of the three teams that were hollering, we want to play, we want to play, Michigan, they stink. They've won two games. And I ah, has Nebraska won a game. Huh, what'd that tell you? Ohio State and their game short. Guess it didn't matter. But guess what? They was going to make concessions for Nebraska uh, for Ohio State, but not Nebraska. Nebraska, all right, well, let me back up. So Wisconsin, after their first week win against Illinois, it started with what two players, I think it was. And their starting quarterback was one of them. Graham Mertz ended up tested positive. COVID ran through that team. It ran right through that team. Like day uh 24 day old milk that you should never have touched. Shouldn't even put it in your bowl of cereal with all those chunks in it. It, it. it it ran through that team. And they had to cancel games because of it. And I'm like, look at that. And then it was only a matter of time because that's what Nebraska knew because uh, they, they decided, it's like, look, we had a game, we were supposed to play Nebraska that next week, or we played Wisconsin that next week. And so Nebraska, they sought out another opponent. And that was going to be uh, right here in my state, my home state of Tennessee. They found UT Chattanooga. Big Ten said no. Well, I found out today. And this is on thespun.com. All right. On thespun.com. They basically revealed Nebraska's October statement. It went viral after the Ohio State-Michigan news. Now, all of a sudden, there was a problem. Now, Nebraska, they stink. They don't care about them. But their cash cow, Ohio State, oh, uh, we might need to find a way to get them in that championship game. And then you renege. How about that? Ohio State is the first Big Ten program this season to run into some unfortunate scheduling luck. Nebraska went through it back in October. This is according to thespun.com. Early on in the Big Ten shortened season, a COVID-19 outbreak within the Wisconsin program led to the cancellation of the Badgers game against Nebraska. The Huskers tried to add a non-conference opponent, Chattanooga, to replace Wisconsin. What I just tell you, they said no. And so the statement in wake of that, of the OSU Michigan situation, (laughs) their official statement is going viral. Saying, quote, this is Nebraska. We believe the flexibility to play non-conference games could have been beneficial not only for Nebraska, but for other Big Ten teams who may be in a similar position as the season progresses. The statement reads, quote, the ability for all Big Ten members to play a non-conference game, if needed, could provide another data point for possible college football playoff and bowl consideration, end quote they knew and if you paid any attention you've seen it who was supposed to be the favorites in the Big Ten Michigan and of course Ohio State Michigan went the other the opposite direction and then what happened it hit the team that was the favorite and it hit the Big Ten's favorite son or favorite daughter they was they, they was on the on the way out of being shut out of the Big Ten title game. Thus being shut out possibly of being included in the college football playoff, in the 14 playoff, the Final Four. Nebraska knew. I mean, if you paid attention, you knew that if that affected any of these teams, especially the favorite coming out of the Big Ten. Now, um, Northwestern, they're five and one. They've got, the, now that one loss, <laughs> it's always Michigan State missing somebody's season up. How about that? Anyway, so it's going to be Ohio State and Northwestern. I do watch. It's going to be good. But it is really amazing how they make those kind of concessions for one and, and they won't make it for another. And I really think since they brought Nebraska in, it's almost like it's like their relationship is just bad. And then it doesn't help within the program, Nebraska, that Scott Frost has not done them any favors by stinking on a consistent basis. Go figure. You had to know that that was going to happen. If they was going to make a change, Ohio State was going to be the one to be able to make that change. And it happened all right all right you know what time it is it's story time with uncle mike kids grown-ups y'all can all get your blankets and get your cots and mats out your whoobies okay so this is a story Pretty quick, I would think, anyway. Um basically working at FedEx for over 20 years has been really good. And it was this time of year where we're running our butts off, we're out, you know, pretty late, um, you know, delivering all the nice things that you're ordering online (laughs) and um trying to bring a little bit of joy and uh, to you guys for for Christmas and stuff like that. But not all of us, you know, want to stay in that line of work. I am one of them. Um, and I decided uh, one day that I was tired of, uh, of doing what I was doing. So this is probably about, about six years ago. Yeah, about five, six years ago. And... There was, it was really interesting. If any of my FedEx mates that I know listen, um, I don't know, this may be news to you. It may not not be for others. But there was one route. My man, Ken Gray. uh, And Ken runs, you know, pretty much a nosebleed type area. He's in a lot of country. Um, And on a normal basis, and I'm guessing, he may run about, you know sixty stops or so, and that'll take him all day because it's spread out. You're in the country, right? Well, try about I think he had probably about two hundred this night, and he still had a hundred left, and it was probably about six o'clock at night. so one of our managers had pretty much about twelve of us meet him on road and take about you know or close to ten stops apiece. You know because he still had about 100 a little bit over 100 stops left and um you know it was one of those nights is like you've been working long all day not that you don't want to help but at some point it's like dude i just want to go home and see my family or i'm tired of doing this job and i want to do something else you don't have to fedex is not a final stop for some for plenty of us i've seen so many in 21 years i've been there i've seen people come and go Whether they were managers, couriers, um, people that work in the cans, tossing boxes—I mean, I've seen them. I've seen them retire. I've seen them come, leave, and come back. You know, but for me, um, eventually, I I will be gone from this company. I I already know that. Um, But I was out that night. I took some stops, and I think you know, close to being done. I pull up in the cul-de-sac, not too far from where I live right now. And I see all these cars. It's Christmas Eve, by the way. This is on Christmas Eve. And I see all these cars that I pulled up, you know, and you can see the people on the inside, you know, and people from out of town. And I'm like, see, what do you have to understand about Federal Express? Unless you've been there 80 years, you would not get certain days off. So, everybody has to work all the way up to Christmas day. All right. Christmas day, you get off the day of a holiday. You get off for the most part, but the days around it. Well, Christmas and Thanksgiving, nobody gets off. They have blocked all that off as far as vacation, unless you get hurt or you call out. And for that case, you won't get paid for that holiday. But as far as, um, you know, after Christmas, well, if you're there 25, 30, 35 years, you'll have first dibs on that and you'll get that every time. And then you can, you can be off for one, two weeks at a time or however long you want to get off. Cause you're first in line to put in for that. And the person at the top is going to take that first. They're not taking a summer vacation. They're going to take right after the peak season first. And, um, you know, everybody's out there. Uh, but I, I was just tired. I'm like, I want to see my family. I'm tired of doing this. And I I know I don't have to stay here. I don't have to be locked into this job. So, I mean, this, this story is not so much funny as it is maybe, uh, inspiring because I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I want to be a sportscaster. I want to be on radio. That's, my dream. That's my dream job. You know, I, I watch and, um, and, and I listen all the time and, uh, and I finally got into school and really the first school that I tried to get into, uh, it, it petered out, you know, went into uh bankruptcy and they shut the school down. Even after I got a partial scholarship, um, after writing an essay and they, they shut it down couple of years later about three years later I thought about uh moving to Atlanta to attend the same school um which they train you for your job over four four months four or five months is it's not so much school as it is um you know university as it is uh, just training you to be in broadcasting and people get hired Connecticut School of Broadcasting CSB I was going to move to Atlanta. And uh you know, take a leave from my job so I could pursue my dream, and then you know, from listening to the Dan Patrick show so much um he had started down in Orlando, Florida uh the Dan Patrick School of Sports casting, and i i I it was the best call that I'd ever made now, you know, I was on the phone, I had to do overtime that day by the way, I talked to a guy um Oh Lord, I can't remember his name. But his first name was John. He was the recruiter. And he's New York guy. He's and, and he sold me on everything. And I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna do this online. How am I gonna be um how am I gonna do studio type stuff online? And believe me, it can be done. And it's so funny that this pandemic has happened because before y'all probably some of y'all knew what Zoom was, we were already doing it. And before that, it was GoToMeeting. And you could set up, you know, green screen and all kinds of stuff to, to, to do a live broadcast. I learned so much. But I, I'm the best decision I ever made, Full Sail University, Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Um, and something I never, ever expected, I was the valedictorian. I finished with a 3.82 GPA um, and won, what, nine course awards. I mean, I'm not putting any flowers on me but I was blessed um and I worked hard and it was not easy um I in the middle of all of that I started a podcast um and I just let you guys know now look I'm stepping back on my job um to part-time uh mostly due to well let's just say half of it is because of my injury that I an injury I sustained to my knee and both my knees are going bad. By the way, half is the the injury, and the other half, and so it's going to free me up to actually pursue my dream of being a sportscaster. So it's coming. I already know it's coming. Some things are already happening, um, and you know, you'll you'll know, <laughs> you'll know when things begin to do to, to blow up. So, uh, but I, I that was the best decision I ever made. And, uh, and it happened around this time of year. And Christmas Eve, um, like I said, about five, six years ago is when I made that decision. Like, I'm not, do- I'm not going to be smelling like diesel fumes forever. I'm not going to come home, you know, with box lint in my eyebrows forever. Sorry, right. can't do it. Don't want to do it, you know. Now, uh, I like my job. I don't love my job. I love sports. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's it look here we're gonna have another show tune into the light brothers we got a special treat for our next show i believe you guys and gals will enjoy it very immensely i appreciate you listening thanks a lot out